Hey, good morning and welcome home to Cassidy. My name is Stephen Mitchell and I have the privilege, uh, it is my joy to be the lead pastor here at Cassidy and I am so excited that you are here with us. Thanks for joining us to celebrate this guy named Jesus and all that he has done in our lives and in the life of the world and, and all that he is planning on doing. We believe here at Cassidy that, that we are living in a moment from God, that God has called us to this place so that we can grow together, so that we can go into the world and make a difference on behalf of Jesus Christ. So if you're new here, you're welcome here. We are excited that you have chosen to spend a portion of your day in celebration of who Jesus is, and, and we thank you that you have, have come to do that with us, whether you're online or in person, we are excited to have you with us. We want you to know that you're going to realize pretty quick that we're not perfect, but we know the one who is, and that's Jesus. And we want to invite you on a journey with us so that together we can grow in relationship with God. We can grow in relationship with one another so that we can be the people that God wants us to be, so that we can love His people well, so that we can share His hope and promise and life with everyone we come in contact with. Uh, that's been the, the idea behind this worship series called Let's Meet Up. The idea is that, that Jesus meets up with people during his earthly ministry when he was still alive in Jerusalem 2,000 plus years ago. When he met up with people, he created and caused a relationship. He, he shifted their focus and shifted their direction and shifted their destination so that they might come to life in a brand new way. And, and, and our hope is that throughout this series that we would allow God to meet up with us, that we would see where God through Jesus has met up in, in one location with others, and, and we can see how that can impact our life as well. And so we're going to continue that today. We're going to be looking, we're going to be looking at what do we do when we think we know what we're supposed to do, but we're not right, not even close. Uh, for me, I, I remember I, I was renovating a house. Uh, I lived in St. Louis, and, and I had bought a house, and, and I wanted to do renovations, and uh, I had some friends that were going to help me, so it wasn't just a one-man job. Uh, and my kids were going to help, uh, even though they weren't getting paid for it, uh, they were going to get to help. Uh, it's a learning experience. So uh, we were all working together to renovate this house. Well, one of the things that I wanted to do was to knock down this wall, and I had seen my fair share of renovation television shows, and I knew exactly what I needed to to do in order to knock down a wall. And I had a friend who had done, uh, done home repair for a living, like he owned a construction company. And so he was like, no problem, I can come and help you put the header in. For those of you that don't know, the header needs to go up to support the weight of the house across a long space because this wall was a load-bearing wall. And so we were putting a header into the house to keep it safe. And, and sure enough, uh, we, we go to open up the wall and positive of what I know I'm going to have to do, tear into the wall and find out I had no idea what I was going to have to do. And here's why, because the whole house, uh, it was a two-story house, the second story of the house, the entire second story, all of the air conditioning ran through that wall. 
all of the air conditioning ran right through where I was tearing a hole in the wall, that there was not going to be a wall there anymore. And in order to have air conditioning, somehow on the second floor, which as we know today is very, very important, I I was not going to be able to do it the way that I had planned. And so I, that, that caused me to have to call uh, an HVAC person, a, a company, and say, hey, I, I don't have any idea what I'm doing. I, my, I, I thought I knew what I was supposed to do, but now I have reached the extent of my understanding, and I need somebody that will come and help me, somebody that will help me to fix the mess that I myself have caused, somebody that can step into my mess and pick up the right tools and the right equipment in order to get the right things to happen so that I can have air conditioning on the second floor of my house and have a hole in the wall instead of a wall. And and so this, this moment for me was just one of those realizations of I really thought I knew what I was doing, but I really had no idea how to carry out what I thought I knew I was doing. And we've all run into unexpected moments like this where we've had a scenario that that we thought we got all the pieces to. We thought we knew everything that we needed to do. And, and yet, when it came to be, it wasn't quite so easy to understand. Um, we, we know what to do and, until we don't. Uh, For those of us that have been blessed with children, for those of us that have been parents, we have all, 100% of us, experienced that. Uh, For me, I remember, I I read What to Expect When You're Expecting. Yeah, I read it. Even though it wasn't my body, I became an expert uh, until I wasn't. And my guess is, uh, my, my, I know for a fact that all first-time parents, that's the same way that they go through each and every day. They think their children are going to be special. Their children are going to be different. They are, their children are actually going to listen until they realize that being a parent is much more involved than we give people, uh, we give others credit for. It's just so much more difficult. And so today, we're going to take a look at a meetup that's got a fair bit of that going on. People that thought they knew what they were supposed to be doing, thought they knew what was about to happen and what was going to occur, and yet when it, when it unfolded before them, it was totally different than anything they understood. It, it caused them to be confused and, and, and perplexed and, and terrified. And yet, it was the most powerful moment that the world has ever seen. Uh, We're going to be talking today about the meeting between Jesus and one of his followers named Mary. Uh, And it's on Resurrection Sunday that they have this meeting. So that means it's on the heels of Jesus' death. So Jesus uh, came into Jerusalem was heralded as the Messiah. They They were throwing cloaks, and just a few days later, they were crucifying him. And he was dead, and they threw his body into a tomb quickly so that they could be okay for Passover. Passover is a celebration time in Israel and Jewish faith of when God passed over the Israelites with the angel of death and allowed their freedom from slavery in Egypt to occur. And and Jesus now is dead and buried uh, and, and Passover, the Passover celebration unfolds around them. And that means that, that the Passover Sabbath 
has occurred. And, and Sabbath uh, is a time when the Jews do no work. It's, it's a day that has been ordained by God to say, hey, you're not supposed to do any work. And they take it very seriously. And so this is what we're going to start in Mark's gospel, and then we're going to jump into the gospel of John. But Mark's gospel starts this way. Saturday evening, when the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James, and Salome went out to purchase burial spices so that they could anoint Jesus' body. Uh, here, here's what we're, what, the scene that's unfolding in Scripture, uh, is that, that these women knew exactly what was going on. They knew that Jesus had been crucified. They knew that their teacher, the one that they had hoped was the Messiah, was now dead and buried. And, and the Jewish day actually begins at sundown. Uh, and so Saturday night at sundown is actually the first moment of Sunday, which means now that Passover Sabbath is over so that they can go and get the burial spices so that they can give Jesus' dead body a proper burial. And so they go at the earliest possible moment. Saturday night, the sun goes down, they go into town so that they can buy the spices, so that they can give Jesus a proper burial. And then the next morning, it says, very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. On the way, they were asking each other, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? And they, they they knew what they needed to do. They knew what needed to be done. They just didn't know how to do it. They, they knew that they needed to go and anoint Jesus' body. They just didn't know how they were going to get the stone out of the way. And I, I want us to take a minute and just live into that, hear that, and, and, and hear the, the truth in that statement. They, they knew what was needed, but not how. Uh, and sometimes we go through life knowing what is needed, just not how. We know what we're supposed to do or what we should do. We just don't know how to do it. And, and so if that's you, I want you to put an earmark on this, this statement that, that we just went through uh, because we're going to come back to it and we're going we're gonna to figure out how to, uh, to embrace that with, with the life of Jesus Christ. Uh, and maybe, maybe some of a, somebody here is stuck today and not, not knowing what to do, what you need to do. You know what you need to do. You're just not sure how you're going to do it. Uh, so let's, let's keep, that, keep that in mind. But as they arrived, the women, as they arrived, they looked up and saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled aside. You see, their problem in their mind was only the stone. We, we've got to get to Jesus' body. The stone was the thing that was in the way, and they were wondering how they're going to get past it, but God had already taken care of that problem. Sweet, one problem down, now we can, we can get to it. Now we can do what we, can, what we came here to do. Now we can anoint Jesus' body for burial because there was no possibility, none, that Jesus wasn't dead. In the minds of the women that were at the tomb, they went to anoint the dead body of Jesus, and yet, and yet, everything is about to change. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in white robes sitting 
on the right side, the woman, the women were shocked. I'm going to pause there. The women were shocked. I think that's one of the most large understatements of all time. Uh, And and this comes on the heels of many understatements in the next few statements that we're going to read. But this is a picture of the women showing up to the tomb. And now instead of the body of Jesus being in the tomb, they they open or they they walk through the rolled away stone and, and there's somebody there already. An angel, they know it's not just a normal guy, he's, he's clothed in white and, and they know he's an angel and it says this, but the angel said, don't be alarmed. Again, understatement, of course they're alarmed. Why? Because there's an angel and every time angels are involved, it can be terrifying. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, he said, who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Look, this is where they laid his body. And my, my gut tells me that it's at that moment that every one of those women are thinking in their head, what do you mean? What is it that you are really trying to tell me? This is a really surreal moment. I don't understand what's truly happening. Well, yes, that's where Jesus was, but where is he now? If he's raised from the dead, why is he not here? What's going on? I don't understand. And quite frankly, my guess is that they don't truly believe what they're experiencing. Now, the angel continues, go and tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you before he died. The women fled from the tomb, trembling and bewildered. And they said nothing to anyone because they were too frightened. They, they, they were so frightened, they just bolted. They, they didn't take time to consider all of the things that were going on. It, it was a fight-or-flight moment, and they were flighting, not fighting. Uh, they were fleeing from everything that was going on. They, they took off, and Mark closes out his gospel with this quick statement. Then they briefly, <laughs> then they briefly reported all this to Peter and his companions. So I, I want us to, to, to realize what's happened here. This isn't the interaction between Mary and Jesus. This is an interaction between uh, an angel and Mary and the other two ladies. That Mary and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, now have, have interacted, witnessed this angel saying that that Jesus has been risen from the, has risen from the dead. They don't really know what that means. They run back into town, into Jerusalem, to tell the disciples what's going on. So we went to go bury Jesus, but instead he wasn't there. And an angel told us all these things. And, and instead of being met with excitement, they're met with skepticism. And it's probably because they don't truly understand or believe it themselves. You see, they don't even understand what they've been told. Yeah, this kid was in the tomb. He was wearing white, so we assume he's an angel, probably an angel at least. And he said that Jesus had been raised from the dead. <laughs> sure thing, Mary. Sure thing. Grief, grief is hard. We know. We're, we're sad too. But that moment is when Peter and John decide they're going to go back to the tomb. They're going to go see what it is that the women are talking about. And so they, they run back to the tomb, but they don't go alone. You see, Mary goes with them. 
Mary goes with them, and, and John is faster at running and gets to the tomb first, and, and they look into the tomb, and they see that it is just as the women had reported, that, that Jesus is not there. They look in, and there's, there's no angel when they look in, and they leave. They leave believing that somebody has taken Jesus' body, not that he's been raised from the dead, but that somebody has taken his body. And so Mary is left alone in the garden. She's left alone with her thoughts. And in that moment, in that moment, she hears the sound of someone in the garden. At this, she turned and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? See, Mary is crying on the outside of the tomb, not because she's crying with joy, but instead she is brokenhearted because the one she came to bury, the rabbi that she put her faith in, is now dead, and now the body is missing, even though the angel has said what the angel has said. Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I will get him. <laughs> she is so certain that Jesus is dead that nothing else makes sense. She's so certain that Jesus is dead that nothing else makes sense. That, that obviously this is the garden, gardener because that's the only thing that makes sense to her. It, it can't be Jesus. And so Jesus said to her, Mary, and when she turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher, in that instant she goes from knowing what was supposed to happen to needing to know the risen Lord. She goes from having confidence in what she had to do to being unconfident about anything because now Jesus is there with her and she calls out to him, teacher. Because she knows that he's there. And she grabs onto him in a, in a great bear hug and says this, Jesus said, don't hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and to your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene then left and went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. You see, Jesus truly was risen. It wasn't, it wasn't her imagination. It wasn't just an angel. It was Jesus himself. And Jesus' resurrection changed Mary's reality. Because what was impossible before had now become possible in Jesus. What was improbable before now became a very real assured thing in Jesus. Jesus' resurrection changed what was possible to Mary. Jesus' resurrection changed everything for Mary. And I want to pause here and, and say this is good news because some of you, some of you are stuck 
in this moment. Some of you are stuck in, in the difficulty of the situation you're in. Uh, you, you're facing impossible odds or impossible situations or impossible reality. And the truth is that Jesus changes what is possible. Jesus changes what is possible. In a moment, Mary's grief is swallowed up by joy. Why? Because Jesus is alive, because Jesus has changed what is possible, and He does the same thing for you and for me, even today. You see, they came, they came to bury their teacher, but instead she finds herself coming to life for the very first time in a brand new level of faith and hope and promise that the God that she has been worshiping and the God that she believed Jesus represents is now in front of her. And that changes everything. And some of you are struggling in that same, same understanding of being stuck that I know what I need to do, I just don't know how to do it, or I know what I need to do, but I can't do it, or I know what I need to do, but it's impossible for me to do it. And the truth is this, you don't need a new situation. You need a new Savior, a real Savior, one that will change everything for you, even reality itself. That's what Jesus offers to us. That's what Jesus says when I want to meet up with you. He says, I don't want to give you just an okay situation. I want to give you a brand new life. I want you to come to life in me. You don't need a new situation. You need a real Savior. And, and, and the hope is, the hope is that we can embrace that, that you can embrace that, and that I can embrace that, that we can come into new life in Jesus Christ, that we can have new hopes because all that was possible now has been made new. And in God, all things are possible. There's no situation that is too big, no valley that is too deep, no bank account that is too negative. None of that is the reality that Jesus came to reveal to us. He said, I can make all things new. He said, I want you to come with me. And so what is it? What is it that we can do to embrace this? And the first is this, the easiest of all of it is just to believe. Believe and receive the gift that we have in Jesus Christ. Uh, Mary had, come to, 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 had to come to grips the new reality was there. The new reality is here. And second, let that new reality inspire you. Be inspired by the life that Jesus offers to you. Be inspired by the Holy Spirit that Jesus pours out upon you. Be inspired by Jesus wanting to meet up with you. Come to life in Jesus Christ. Accept what He has given you and be inspired to live differently for Him. And then finally, inspire others. 
sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with everyone you come in contact with. Live like Jesus is alive in you. Because that's what He came to do. He came to live in us in this moment to give us new life. And that life is based on the Spirit of God Himself. Let's live like it. Jesus invites us not just to a new reality, but to the true reality that in God all things are possible. That with us, there's so much that's impossible. But with God, we can be given brand new life, not based on what we have done, but based on His great love for us. We can be given new and restored relationship with God and restored relationship with one another so that we can be the people that God has called out for us to be. When we meet up with God, it is to deepen our relationship. And when we meet up with others, it is to share that relationship with everyone. So let's Let's allow Jesus to invite us to take us into this new reality so that we can live fully in the kingdom of God right here and right now. Let's pray. Gracious and almighty God, we give you thanks and praise for the gift you give us in Jesus Christ, for the hope we have in you, for the life that you offer to us. Father, pour your Holy Spirit out upon us that as your spirit impacts our lives, that we realize that your reality is so much more than what we've given it credit for, that we can be so much more than we could be on our own, that we could live so much more fully into your kingdom than we have ever given credit for. So God, help us to, to be the people that you want us to be. Help us to meet up with you, the resurrected Jesus, so that we might have our lives changed now and for all time, so that we can live fully into the promise that you offer to us. We pray this in the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And all of us agreed and said, amen.